Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Roses are red, violets are blue. Don't fuck with me, and I won't fuck with you. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I'm always ready to read you. But try and cross me, and honey, I will (gasps) read you. Oh, (laughs) you guys. Ooh, I love a thinker, and I should have known. I should have expected it from the jump. Because something tells me this is going to be a good kind of combo. You guys, it's Andy Scrolls. It's episode 231. And I am so excited to be joined by a new guest to the People's People's Couch. God bless a little bit of a Zoom situation connection helping us there. You may know him as a, if not the, Housewives empath and host of the podcast. Podcast Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. You guys, welcome to Andy's Girls, Jamie Stein. Thanks. Jamie, how are you? I'm really well. I'm excited to be here. How are you? I'm so excited to have you. I feel like we've had like, I think you, you've messaged me before. Somebody's, I've actually gotten a couple people that have been like, oh my God, would love if you recorded with Jamie Stein. Um, I reached out to you and I was like, do you remember me? I feel like we had a little conversation at one point about you coming on. I'm so excited to have you on the pod. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I think uh, we definitely have in common a passion for deep thinking about the mm. housewives and these reality shows. So it's always, it's always, it's always a privilege and a blessing to uh, kind of have a space where we can go really deep into it. 
I so agree. And I love myself a little doggy paddle and nuance. So I think that's really where the fun can be had. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's so much nuance happening on, let's say, at least one of the Housewives (laughs) shows that we're watching. Um, And the other one is just blaring us, please stop uh and so um i'm especially excited um because as you said i think we have really similar interests and passions and translations just even in our own head of how to process mm-hmm. what we're watching on reality tv and how that affects us irl um can you tell me a little bit about what it means to be an empath or intuitive let alone within the bravo housewives space <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I can. I mean, it's a bit. You know, like, I'm in. Whatever. Okay. It's, a, it's a two-part question, right? Um, True. Yeah, I can. T- I can talk about what it means for me. So basically, you know, what I do in a nutshell is, I am able to. We could say channel someone's unconscious landscape, their thoughts, their feelings, their energy, what's going on in them on an unconscious level. So. Let's say, for example, you're someone who's blocked in certain areas of your life and you don't know why, no matter how hard you try, you know, you end up in the same relationship predicament or your career is not going somewhere. What I can do is I can what's called drop in to you and what might really be going on with you on a deeper level that's getting in your way. So what might be the unconscious part of you that's saying no to the things that you consciously want what you might you be scared of, what, you know, unhealed trauma might be living in you. Um, and I basically bring it into the surface and I bring it into consciousness. And through that, obviously, then you have an idea of what needs to be worked on and worked through in, edder, in order to get to where you want to go. Um, that's kind of like the, the concise version of what I do. Um, and then, you know, I bring that, yeah, I bring that to the housewives. So, um, as a season unfolds, I think a lot of times because the women themselves don't necessarily know themselves as well as they could, or you might even say should, a lot of times we're left to wonder, you know, what is really going on? Why is Dorinda so triggered around Tinsley, for example? Or, you know, why is Monique so triggered about the fact that Candace, Giselle, and Robin, or whoever it was, are having a kiki in the house rather than being by the bonfire pit. So what I'll do is I'll drop into the housewives and kind of answer these questions and I'll bring forth the energy that I feel in them that's not being expressed. And it's kind of cool because, you know, in a way, my intention with this really is to, I mean, yes, it's fun. We're dishing about the show, but then it also kind of shines a light on just the shadow areas of humanity in general And I think Mm -hmm. it becomes a really sort of fun, accessible, and unpretentious way for people to really be reflecting on these themes inside themselves. And I'm definitely constantly like getting DMs and messages from people being like, oh, when you talked about Luann, it really hit home and made me realize X, Y, and Z about myself. So Mm -hmm. there is kind of a higher intention to what I'm doing. But like I said, it's also just kind of fun and a little bit magical. So that's, that's what I do. How do you adapt um, reading or translating energy from a session with a person IRL to doing so with someone who is on TV, not only because there is an edit going on and an idea toward the entertainment ideal, but also I'm thinking literally, because when I think energy as an outsider to this, I think of like 
the shared experience of even being in the same space together. How does that work when it's someone who you may or may not have interacted with in real life and you're watching on a TV screen? Well, it's really interesting that you asked that because, you know, initially this all started because I appeared on BitSesh way back when. And I remember, yeah, I stumbled onto BitSesh and they were like, okay, we're going to get your reads on the housewives. And I remember I actually come from a therapeutic background. So I do have Mm. certification in a body-based psychotherapy. I also used to teach screenwriting at the college level. So I come from academia. So this is all just to say that I was coming from a background around like ethics and rules. And so Mm. I remember when this started, I literally wrote an email to Casey Wilson being like, we just need to make this clear. I don't know these women. This is playful exploration. (laughs) I'm not claiming I'm channeling the housewives. Like I was very kind of uptight about it. Um, And it's funny because as time went on and people wanted more, you know, at a certain point, I, I think it was the first video I ever did along these lines was about Jax and why is he so pissed at Tom Sandoval. And I remember just kind of being mm-hmm. like, well, why don't you just have fun with it? Just open up to Jax, channel Jax, see what comes through. And in my mind, it really was just kind of like, this will be playful. I, I don't even know that I was taking it that seriously. Mm-hmm. But I found when I dropped in, what came through felt really true in the moment. And then the viewer response was, this feels really true. Um And it's, I mean, I'm kind of answering your question in a roundabout way. It's been surprising to me because in a lot of ways, doing these videos about the housewives has actually opened me up more to more of my skills and abilities. Look, I do always say, you know, there's always the caveat. I don't know these women, you know, and I am working off edited TV shows. So I I'm not out there kind of saying like, oh, I'm 100% right about everything. I'm not trying to be a psychic who's making a prediction. And I don't care if I'm quote unquote wrong. Um, So again, there is a playful spirit of intention with this. That said, what has been really cool and exciting is, I mean, so many things. I mean, there are times where I've done some of these videos and then like literally a month later on the TV screen... Not only is Monique saying, you know, kind of coming out with the very things I felt going on with her, she's literally using the same language, like literally almost verbatim using the same language and then getting DMs from, you know, producers on the show being like, you don't understand. I've literally heard this housewife say what you said off camera. And I will also say I I did actually recently hear from my first housewife who was like, you know, I found your podcast. And she basically was like, you got me. And I felt seen and heard by you. And she said, you helped me see myself in a new way. So again, I'm answering your question in a roundabout way. I think what I've learned is that I am able to tap into something even when I don't know them. And I guess this is to bring it all together. What's been interesting is since I started doing that in my readings with private clients, I started being able to bring in people who aren't in the reading so if they're talking about their mother if they're talking about their husband suddenly just completely intuitively or organically the energy of the people we were talking about started coming through me and people were like you don't understand like you look like the person right now you're acting like the person right now so to answer your question it it actually opened me up to more of my inner resources and i i can't really tell you sort of what that distinction is. I do trust the information that comes through me at this point. Again, with the caveat that, you know, I'm filtering it through my system based on the limited information that I have. And I guess really what I'm saying is I don't even know how to answer your question, but that's that's my roundabout answer. So 
if you're you're working with a private client and they're like this thing happened with my mom when you say that you channel the energy i i assume of that person's parent in that moment in order like work through the challenge and the complications of their dynamic or relationship or situation or whatever does that explain to me what the channeling means in that example like channeling meaning it does the channel mean that you are harnessing the intuitive sense of what that person may have been that other the counter you know that other person may have been thinking in that moment or is it are you saying it's like something outside of our sense of not life but uh of spirituality or or of connection when it comes to channeling someone does that make any sense what does the how does the channeling work well it's just yeah it's dropping into someone else's viewpoint so let's say someone's let's say for example someone's talking about their fraught relationship with their mother and maybe Mm -hmm. you know in the context of the session they're really second guessing themselves and they're saying things like well i don't know you know maybe i've got it wrong or something like that Mm -hmm. sometimes if i'm called to um, either I can consciously, again, what I call drop in, which means I literally just close my eyes and I'll say, okay, I'm dropping into your mom. And then I'll just visualize the client as the mother and I'll see what feelings come up, come up in me. And so sometimes it'll quite literally be like, no, I, you know, I can feel it. There's, there's a cruelty here. There's a part of her that wanted to snuff you out. Why did she want to snuff you out? Oh, because you know, your wild energy triggered her control issues. She can't stand the wildness in her, so she was going to take it out on you. So it's just like literally kind of opening myself up to whatever the unconscious landscape of that person is or was in relationship to like whatever it is that we're talking about. Um, Sometimes it also just happens organically where I'm not even consciously closing my eyes and dropping in. It's just we're in a session and I just start feeling the energy of the person. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh boy, like I feel it. I feel what they brought towards you and why. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. Does that make it clearer? I I think so. Yeah, I think that's that's helpful. Um, When it comes to the Monique dynamic, what was the, what was that specific moment? If you can share what, what, where was she at that point in the season? What was the shift that you were able to translate prior to it being aired. Well, it was so it was prior when, to it airing rather. It was when they were at her lake house kind of early on in the season yes. and remember mm-hmm. I think it was Candace and was it Oh, Candace and Giselle pulled Ashley aside to give her the heads right. up about what was going on with Michael and there was like a fire pit going on. And if you remember, mm-hmm. Monique was so triggered by it and she kept mm-hmm. like sneaking into the house and making a big production of like getting the s'mores down from the cabinet. So the video, it's on my Instagram. You can go and see it. But um, the video was very much like, why was Monique so triggered by that? I mean, it became this whole odyssey. I mean, I think it started with just, you know, feeling like a, a fear around the lack of control of seeing her kind of quote unquote enemy with Giselle um, and Ashley feeling kind of a tenuous position within the circle of the group, fearful of being made an outsider again. And so Mm -hmm. then I just kind of kept following it about like, okay, well, what is it that she's so triggered about with Candace, which then led to, okay, well, there was drama with Sharice. What does Sharice bring up in her? And so as I went deeper and deeper into it, it's like, oh, as you know, when I drop into Monique and I see Sharice across the way, she's representing all those kind of 
uh, you know, I experience them as kind of like the petty, mean, rich girls who look down on me and I have to prove myself to them. And so then that just led me to like, I am so tired of having to prove myself. I'm so tired of having, you know, to, to try to make a name for myself. And that's literally when I say she used the same language, there's some point in the video where I did start just kind of going on this litany of I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of this. And then in that scene with her pastor, I mean, she literally says, like, I'm tired of having to prove myself. I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of doing that. So it just basically became a jumping off point of exploring all that stuff that came up with the pastor of basically being a fighter, feeling like she has to uh, just do what she needs to do to survive and that no one gets it. She's tired of having fingers pointed at her all the time. She's tired of having to justify herself to people who don't get her. All of that came through in the video. And then, yeah, when she had that meeting with the pastor to kind of understand why she was so triggered at the winery, that's everything she went into. Mm. That's so interesting. Um, For you in watching The Housewives, do you feel that natural connection? Is there ever a time where you even want to disconnect a little bit and watch the TV to sort of even escape from that? Because there is this like tension in being a Bravo viewer or really relationship with being a Bravo viewer where so much of it is I think about empathy or or really rather curiosity and there is also that element of escapism that exists with be it the money the wealth the even elements of humor or um, glam god forbid or family connection Um, is there uh, have you been able to sometimes separate yourself from that empathetic kind of curiosity if you wanted to or does it just sort of flow through you regardless well yeah I kind of watch the show kind of how I go through life because people ask me this Mm -hmm. all the time you know how is it to navigate life and the way that I always explain it is at least up until this point in my life the breadcrumbs are always there you know they're always these little pings they're always these little initial hits and where my choice comes in is, am I going to follow the breadcrumbs, the breadcrumbs into the forest? So when I'm making a video about Monique, for example, that's me consciously following the breadcrumbs into the forest. Whereas when I'm watching the show, am I generally having experience of, okay, like I'm feeling the full experience of Monique's rage over being misunderstood? No, I'm kind of getting little pings and hits. I, I, yeah, I, I, I see the little breadcrumbs. I see the things that grab my attention that if I want to, I could go into. So usually when I'm watching the show, I just leave the breadcrumbs alone and kind of wait till, yeah, either I'm making a video or doing my podcast. And then that's when I'll kind of go on the deeper journey. Is there a housewife that you think or that you find to be especially closed off where it's really difficult to channel them in the sense that there are so many layers that they've seemingly or boundaries that they have walls that they have put up behind walls, behind walls to try to enforce a sense that they don't want anyone to come further? Sort of. I mean, there there are definitely ones who feel so complex and complicated and, like you said, have so many different layers of consciousness. I actually just released... Uh, an episode of my podcast, Deep Diving Portia, because I kind of wanted to get into this like, oh, wow. Yeah, that engagement, which was just so strange and controversial. So she and I said this at the top of my podcast, she's someone I've avoided for a long time because I do feel there's so much in there. And it's almost Mm -hmm. it's like contradicting threads of information because she's so 
I experience her as very complex. And I experience her as a lot of times very disconnected from the truth of who she is, which that's kind of what we talked about on the podcast episode. She's had so many incarnations on the show. And if you think about where she started as kind of the Stepford 50s housewife, right? And you Mm -hmm. look at her now, I mean, it's really almost shocking to think about how far removed she was from what you might call her true voice or her true spirit back then. But I bring that up because it also shows like her deep capacity for splitting, you know? So when there's someone like that, where it just feels like there are deep splits and there's lots of layers and they're a stranger to themselves, but also a lot of intense, powerful energy, I'll just kind of get a little overwhelmed and kind of be like, I don't want to, I don't want to go near that. Um, Another one who obviously I have to get over this because of everything that's happening. I've always felt that way about Erica Jane. Like every time I go towards her, I'm just, I always feel like, holy shit, there's so much here. She's so far removed from herself. Oh God. I, I'm getting sad now talking about her. She she just it just feels like she's been so divorced from the truth of who she is on so many different levels. And both Portia and Erica too are women where when I have felt around, you know, they're women where my best guess, and again, I don't know them, so you know, take this with a grain of salt. Just I feel like, you know, there may have been some there just may have been some difficult experiences, you know, and I'll just sort of leave it at that. So when it comes to stuff like that, yeah, I'm kind of like, I get a little overwhelmed and and have a feeling of, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, with the Erica Jane thing, it really kind of makes you think we've seen housewives go through divorce chapters, breakups, whatever. And as devastating as that may be, or as we're told it, it feels in the moment, oftentimes there's like a little bit of a breakthrough. Oh, Phoenix rising from the ashes where it's like, okay, I thought this was going to be forever. It's not, but I'm actually free. I'm able to make choices about how I want to experience my own sexuality, my own finance my career in a way that I felt I could not do with the partner that I have. And when you talk about Erica, like divorcing from reality, what I think about is what an interesting position that she finds herself in now, which is sort of the reverse of some of the benefits that we've seen with breakups where it's like, okay, you're being, maybe it wasn't your choice or whatever, but you're being pushed into figuring out who you are and finding as a result that reward at the end is some truth and the freedom that can come with that with Erica. A lot of us are thinking this divorce isn't all on the up and up. And it feels like she is getting divorced from this man and even more so divorced from reality because she's pursuing the marketing of this storyline that feels fake yeah i mean this is actually why i'm fascinated by it because you know Mm. i i do look at things from you know in terms of a spiritual perspective i do look at i think we're always drawing to us circumstances that reflect energetic patterns that already live in our lives and there's always kind of that invitation there if we choose to navigate it with consciousness hopefully there's something we can heal or transform by kind of revisiting these these familiar energetic grooves so when i look at erica and i really see her as someone who was already in a prison and is now essentially being dragged deeper into a prison but as you say with this weird overlay of pretending that it's liberation and freedom. I just look at her and I'm like, what? like, 
I just keep wondering, what is this about for you, Erica? Like on a deeper level, on that unconscious landscape, in terms of like her history, you're someone who made all these choices to have this kind of false sense and illusion of power and control and wealth and status. And now it's it's not even like, kind of like you said, the guy left you. You got a little bit of egg on your face. What you're in right now is so mm-hmm. complex and so deep that uh, it just, it does. It really makes me curious about what what is this reflecting inside you? And I mean, the truth is it makes me sad and I feel this way about Jen Shaw too, because I look at it, when I look at what Erica's manifesting right now, I'm just like, you are actually a powerful woman. Like this story is so dramatic and so juicy and so larger than life. So for me, if she were my client, I'd be like, this is kind of information for me about your essence that you really are kind of this powerful manifesting machine. The problem is you are so disconnected to yourself and there's some relationship you have to being in this gilded cage or in this prison that you create for yourself, that obviously what you're manifesting is not constructive. It's actually very destructive for yourself and others, but no one can deny it's incredibly powerful, but I agree with you. It's just, it's so layered because she's splintering off more and more and more. And it's, it's funny. um, I always think back, I made a video about her way back in, was it season eight where she was, crazy at that one reunion do you remember that one reunion where she was just so hot-headed and filled with rage and everyone was kind of like what was going on with Eric I mean she was almost literally biting Andy's head off she was so like uh, the John Mellon camp. Like I would never perform with, was it that? I think I'm it, really yeah, it may have been with, the, with remembering the actual number associated with the season. I think it may have been honest. Teddy's first season. Yeah. There was some okay. season where she was just, and everyone was Super talking cold. about it. Yeah. And angry. And I remember for me, it was this feeling of like, oh, I feel like my sense of what's happening with her is that she's been living in this gilded cage. You know, she made all these decisions in order to have this marriage in a certain station in life. Now she's getting a taste of the actual success that she would have wanted to create for herself um, had she been able to kind of do it on her own. And I almost felt like what we were watching, like there was a schism happening where she... She spent so much time and energy pretending that she was okay with her marriage and kind of being unapologetic for it when deep down that clearly wasn't the case at all. Now she's getting a taste of the life that kind of actually would feel good for her if it were self-generated. And she's becoming more conscious of this gap in her. And it felt to me like she was having a little bit of a meltdown or a breakdown. And that's why we were seeing her so kind of enraged and incensed at the reunion. And I guess I just bring this up because, yeah, like I have always sensed themes in her of like being split in half, like the story she presents versus what's really going on and then kind of the insanity that happens in that gap. And I just feel like now what we're seeing is just like that magnified toward, you know, this is like the greatest act three of a movie you could ever imagine because it's so it's just the themes are magnified to such a huge degree at this point. It's like a reckoning of the possible, almost. What do you mean by you that? Think about, like the the frustration or anger over the fact that she participated in a really unequal, unhealthy dynamic because she felt like she was getting the illusion of something or the practical reality of something connected with copious amounts of wealth and access and name recognition with Tom and everything else. And the price that she had to pay was being that 
subservient even more so than like Stepford with Tom. And then she gets this success on Housewives in many ways related to her marriage with Tom, but also understanding that this was potentially possible all along. Mm -hmm. I mean, it might not have been with Housewives if she hadn't been a literal housewife. Not that that's a deal breaker at this point um, in Generation Bajillion with Real Housewives, but also the fact that, wow, now she is the star which is a uh an idea or an ending that she may or may not have thought was even possible and yet she's still in a dynamic with tom where she's the subservient one because my guess is i don't know that he ever really wanted her to be a star i don't i don't actually really know well yeah i mean i totally agree with you in terms of the thrust of what you were saying. It's like, it's that it's like, I just keep thinking about her being a star on Broadway. It's like, she's getting mm-hmm. all the things she wants, but she's still on the tight leash. And then just mm-hmm. the rage of that, you know? Um, but then pretending all along, like she's okay with everything. Um, you know, Ugh. it's like, that's what I'm it's, saying. It's like such yeah. complicated layers. Right. And I feel like a lot of women, I mean, look at this is such a left turn, but stay with me on this or or try to is like the handmaid's tale um, where the wife of the commander who was one of the people who helped create Gilead feels like she's in a position of power because she helps create the society that's essentially built around punishing women for their gender and making them as minimized and controlled as humanly possible. But because she played a role in creating that, she's maybe better equipped to play the pretend when it comes to saying that she is only the idea of the woman that exists in her husband and his colleagues' minds. So she's okay with like being shat on and punished and in some ways tortured, albeit not as literally, aside from losing a finger, as the handmaids themselves. But she's being forced into this dynamic, but she pretends that she's doing so willingly because maybe that helps her deal with the fact that she's forced into this dynamic that she herself helped create. I mean, there is a little bit of a through line with Erica, maybe not as um, dystopian, but I don't know. It depends on how you think about Tom. Um, There is some sort of connection to the idea that because she's giving herself permission to fit into a structure that benefits her financially from a quality of life perspective, but not necessarily her soul, she is okay with it or she wants to present the idea that she's okay with it when in real time maybe she's struggling with, you know, the power, the deep, deep power instability where he can tell her to shut the fuck up at a dinner being filmed for reality TV because he doesn't want to be interrupted by, God forbid, his wife. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, I think her whole life is about power. You know, I think that or her sense of power. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think you see that, you know, people are always kind of saying, like, what's going on with their Instagram posts? And uh, same thing with Jen Shaw. And for me, for both of them, I just feel the same thing of just like, I'm not going to let you see me down. Like, no fucking way. Like, you think I'm going to like, no fucking I'm posting my Instagram posts. You're not going to see me sweating. I don't care what's out there. Like, I'm not going to let you see me down. You know, there's, she's such a prideful woman. So I think, yeah, it, it, I, I'm in total agreement with you. It's like she's in this kind of hell of her own 
making where it, it she's made these choices to disempower herself for a certain pretense of power. But then it's like, then she has to sort of square that with herself somehow. And then it becomes this image, this self-created image of, hey, I, I'm aware of who I am and what it looks like. And honey, I'm okay with everything. But like deep down, she's not. I mean, I think my question is, like, where does prideful end and cruelty begin? Like, look at Handmaids. Like, she's blah, 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 participating in structure, commander, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, women are getting raped as a part of the structure, uh, as a part of the structure of their, like, government body or whatever. Tortured, killed, murdered children are witnessing this and being told to see essentially fear everything. And that's how they grow up. And Erica, I mean, Tom has real victims, victims of his own crimes, burn victims, people whose family members have died in in airline crashes. Jen Shaw allegedly directly targeted people who were older or computer illiterate, people who would be, um, it would be easier to swindle, you know, like, so when they're prideful on social, it's because they're maybe loving the provocative I don't know it feels like such a lack of empathy that is so obviously chosen both of them posting photos and videos of glam well after the news has broken about these crimes and the real people affected and they seem so angry when you ask why they're disaffected because I think there's so much shame and humiliation involved like I think I mean I think Mm. Well, Jen's different, right? Because at least in that situation, allegedly, she's, you know, she's actually the criminal. And we still don't quite know how much Erica knew, you know, and maybe that's something we can get into. But we know for sure, allegedly, that Jen, but, you know, was the mastermind behind the crimes that she was doing. But yeah, I think, I think with both of them, yeah, I think there's this shame and humiliation. And so that's sort of, for me, what feels underneath the pride of like, you know, they're embarrassed because, I mean, again, I just keep coming back to the fact thing, something that I thought was so interesting. This little detail is this thing that's coming about out about Erica having lied about owning the private jet. Um, have you read about this? Oh, can you tell me about this? Oh, my God. Tell spill the tea with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. She had two. I remember she said she had two private planes. She had like the big one and the little one. Yeah. I mean, I just read a thing about it on Instagram. But basically, I guess it's come out in the, you know, taking stock of the property and the assets yep. that they were renting that jet. <gasps> they never owned it. And appa- allegedly, Erica's embarrassed that this is coming out, that she was pretending to own it when they were really renting it. Oh. And so, you know, the reason why I bring that up is like, you know, because when you think about Erica on the show, you know what I mean? And how self-possessed she is and that she she has this sort of cultivated air of, hey, honey, like I own, I used to be, you know, I worked at a strip joint. I've been broke. I've been rich. I love being rich. But, you know, but there's still this kind of like bravado behind it of like, I'm sort of self-aware enough to be down to earth and I know what really matters. There's a way that she kind of presents herself as this emotionally mature, self-aware, savvy woman. So when we bring into it that actually she was lying about owning this private jet, it's like, to me, it's there's such a fragility there. I mean, that's kind of like Taylor Armstrong mm-hmm. territory. It's like Salahi territory. It's like someone mm-hmm. who actually believes this kind of shit matters and that there's some kind of inner validation they're getting from... Because the thing is, she could just say, oh, we rent the jet. You know what I mean? Like, it would still be as equally 
I mean, maybe not to some people, but to us common viewers, it would still be as equally as impressive. Like, we don't care whether they own the jet or not, right? So the fact that she's that fragile, um, I think really says something. And I guess the reason why I'm bringing this up is, yeah, so I think for them, it, it, it's they have such a fragile relationship to themselves, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So to be caught in these moments and to be sort of taken down i think it produces such a sense of shame and humiliation and that's where the pride kicks in of just like oh you think you're getting me like down you think you're kicking me while i'm down no fucking way like i'm not giving you the satisfaction and it's almost like if i were to acknowledge the victims of the crimes i mean again i think the flavor is a bit different for each of them because of their different Mm -hmm. relationship to the victims but if i were to acknowledge this and let it in it's almost like to me as them it's like conceding some form of defeat or humiliation oh you want me to do that i'm not fucking doing that i don't care i'm not getting dragged down you're not beating me you're not winning i i feel this so fervently i just really this is like that feels to me like the absolute truth i really do i just i think that's it's so connected and it's so connected in a fight for survival too Mm -hmm. regardless of how you feel about these women as people like it's absolutely i think it's why she has been on the attack so passionately and why she absolutely refuses to acknowledge any counter unless she's doing so in order to aggressively engage when it comes to Erica directly where it's like she's being such a fucking smart ass in the ugliest nastiest way possible because that is her only means of survival yeah I mean she is she's so fragile I mean I was thinking about last year when she got into that ridiculous fight was it with like brands by Bravo you know like yeah it was yeah 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 which I I brands reached out toward the beginning of it to be like X, Y, and Z is happening. So I saddled into the comments to be like, Erica, like truly as I'm trying to genuinely translate, if you look at the comments on that post, I was like, and guys, backstory, Erica purloined a meme created by the Bravo account, Brands by Bravo. Brands by Bravo commented in a very respectful way to be like, LOL, do you mind like crediting me? And Erica attacked her several times. I stepped into it just by saying, hey, um, just to like explain to you the difference between a meme and a picture, she's not saying that she is asking for credit for an original photo taken by a f- photographer for whomever you actually used a meme a design that she had created for a meme that was her own blah 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 and erica responded back to me and was like not go fuck yourself but it was very much like i i truly do not care i am right in this and all of you guys are fools you know yeah that was a tough moment yeah i mean it speaks to just how fragile her sense of self Mm -hmm. is that she does go on the attack and it feels to me connected to any sense of like Yeah, it's that same thing of, like, you did something wrong here. It it feels like it just triggers this sense of shame and vulnerability. And it's just something, I mean, you know, my my feeling is that's kind of a place where she got hurt in a major way early on. And so now, like, her heart is just so defended and guarded. And it's like, if you try to kind of mess with her there, she's just on the attack, you know? Can I ask, what are your thoughts on the Fox Force 5? The fact that these women who took so much glee out of isolating, pushing out Denise and under different circumstances doing similar with Lisa Vanderpump, which is, I think, a very different dynamic and a very different person. And talk about, like, layers, layers upon layers there. Um, 
But, you know, when it comes to how they have responded or their lack thereof of response with the information that has not yet come out on this season, but will when it comes to the layer of this look like a divorce, but there's actually a much different legal element there. The fact that these women have doubled down on their support of Erica when they turned against former friends for far less. What do you think of that kind of reaction? How does that read to you? It's an interesting question. Um, There are a few things that come up for me. I mean, I think that, you know, I do kind of keep hearing the word like there's a code. Um, I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, Erica's stuff obviously is getting into sort of really dark and dirty and salacious stuff. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, there is part of me that wonders about other people and, you know, what's going on in their lives. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. look, I I love Dorit as much as the next person, PK and Dorit, you know, they definitely kind of have a little, you know, I wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. if certain things Mm -hmm. came out. And to be honest, there have been murmurings about Mauricio's real estate dealings Mm -hmm. and Lisa Vanderpump's had a whole bunch of lawsuits that, you know, were going on that were never mentioned on the show. And so I do wonder if there's a bit of a collusion around there's a line that we we respect and honor and that the other stuff like Puppy Gate or maybe, you know, the salacious stuff with Denise, that doesn't cross the line. Um, and also, you know, like Caroline Manzo, we're as thick as thieves. You know, I think there's a lot of collusion on the Beverly Hills cast. So I think when you're in, you're in. And you're in all the way. And then when you're out, you're out and you're out all the way. And so I think some of it, too, is just the timing of it all. Because the truth is, I mean, I think Kyle did protect Lisa Vanderpump for a long time. And I think, yeah, it just reached a point where, you know, she reached a breaking point. And it, it feels like with Beverly Hills, it's always a perfect storm of many things at once where the person targeted is kind of doing stuff that kind of sets them up but then the women kind of pounce on it in this sort of overly aggressive way that's completely unwarranted so part of it just also feels like a timing issue like I think Erica she is part of that group and I think she's in and so and I it's almost like they tell themselves especially you sort of feel this with Lisa Rinna right I think they tell themselves oh see like I am a good friend you know I'm not I'm not this kind of not that I'm labeling them as such but in terms of public perception I'm not this shitty person who just like, you know, will slash someone's throat. See, like we're loyal. So I think they're picking and choosing their battles. I think, yeah, they're standing by the people who are in the group. And I do wonder if there's kind of a sense of, yeah, there are places we're agreeing not to go with each other because it benefits all of us. I mean, I totally hear you on all of the Jareet and PK stuff. I have to say that Jareet was so helpful to me as a translator last season with Denise, where she was really like, here's the other side of this. Like I, where it felt like there were scenes where she didn't have to, but was really trying to assist and defend Denise in certain ways. And I could see that potentially happening with, you know, talking about some of the legal stuff with Tom. I could see like the potential for that. Obviously we've seen a little clip and who knows how much she will be allowed (laughs) to do that. Cause I'm sure there were conversations amongst the women about like, someone's going to ask some questions and you'll give some answers. But when it comes to the Rinna of it all, Rinna who, you know, was seen by people as a little bit of the Beverly Hills, maybe not bone collector, but bone instigator, who has now decided this is a skeleton whose closet I must help prop closed. How do you feel about, or what is your sense of Lisa Rinna, both with the Erica 
dynamic and just as her own being. Oh man. Well, okay. It's, I'm sorry. That's a hard one because Rinna's compli- Rinna's very complicated, guys. Even if you feel like she's only giving one flavor, it's based on thirty. <laughs> that's true. Well, no, it's just there's a few questions in there. So no, I'll I'll get to all of them. They're all very uh, they're all fertile questions. Um, well, one, I think again, we all know Lisa's really savvy, right? So you got to remember, Lisa took a lot of flack last season. So I think she's coming in. You know, she knows. I mean, I think at this point it's kind of played out. So my personal opinion, I'm ready for her to go. But I think she knows when to pull back. And I think she knows sort of when to go for it. I think she'd be great on like a competition reality show like Big Brother. Like she just has that kind of internal sense of the rhythm. So she knows like she was a naughty girl last year. People were really pissed at her for what happened with Denise. So it makes sense to me that she's dialing it back much like she did season seven. Remember after the whole kerfuffle with Lisa Vanderpump? She got a lot of flack for that. Season seven, Lisa, or was it whatever she was doing? Or what? Right. There was some season, maybe it was the Kim Richards season where it she. It was the season where her kids were like going to be models and she was like, I need to shut the fuck up so I can momager the hell out of them. And it was after the season where she had kind of pulled all that shit with Kim Richards and yes. everyone's mad at her. The next season, her Dialed hands were so back. clean to the point that Lisa Vanderpump was like, Lisa. You're not the same Lisa Rinna. So she knows when to pull back and to dial it back. And so I think we're seeing some of that now. Um, You know, as far as, you know, I've talked about this some on my podcast. What's so interesting, I, I, I do experience her as having this Viper energy. Like, I just feel like she, look, she said it. She's all about the hustle. I think she's about the hustle for the sake of the hustle. You know, I'm always sort of asking myself, who is real Lisa Rinna? Like, what's her purpose in life? Like, when she wakes up, you know, at the start of the day and she's got her checklist of shooting R-H-O-B-H and then designing her dusters and going to QVC, she (laughs) generates great success for herself. But what Mm -hmm. drives her? What's her purpose? Is she connected to it? Because right now it does just seem like the hustle for the sake of a hustle. And in terms of the show... She definitely just seems to have this like kill or be killed attitude. And yeah, it doesn't matter. It's it's like the vibe I get off her or what I hear from her is like, yeah, we've been friends for 20 years. Like, great. We're in the arena of the show now. It's kill or be killed. If you offer yourself up as a piece of meat, we're going to attack because this is what we're doing. Babe. Business is business is like what I hear from her. But, you know, it's funny because people will then ask, like, is it just for the show? And for me, again, I'm always seeing the meaning and all the patterns like the deeper meaning so for me it's like yeah it could be that the show brings this out in her and maybe elsewhere in her life she's not quite so cutthroat but i still think that's still an energy that lives in her and the show is sort of giving her a vehicle for it so for me with her yeah i just experience her as someone who also is surviving and kind of has a sense like i gotta be willing to kill or be killed because if i don't i'm the one who's gonna get killed What's interesting about her is kind of when I've dropped into her a little bit, I've felt like kind of the maybe what I would call the higher self version of her is that she is someone like she's got this destructive energy, right? But destructive energy can then give birth to creative energy. It's like Kali. It's like, I'm going to tear you down so that you can rise from the ashes. And the truth is, Lisa is very smart and she's often very perceptive She sees things. She names things. So I always get the sense that even if she were more connected to the truth of who she is, I think she's always going to have a relationship to like a destructive energy. I just think right now it mostly comes out in this sort of savage way that's motivated by fame and the politics of fame and money and hustling. 
But I always get curious, like, if she were willing to take responsibility for her negative intention, if she were willing to get deeper in touch with the truth of who she is and to feel whatever it is she's not feeling inside of her, what might the kind of sacred higher version of that destructive energy look like? How might she help people to kind of tear down what needs to be teared down or torn down and kind of rise up into something new? What's the likelihood you think that she would have any kind of breakthrough? Or do you think she's so set in this pattern that the even the idea of it, she might consider, like, what would the point of that? What value would that assign that I don't already receive in a financial form, in the form of f- fame? There are other forms of currency that she might value more exactly. than any kind of spiritual grace. Yeah, I think she's too successful. You know, I yeah. think that's that's the danger. <laughs> it's, are fucking flying off the shelves. She's like, "Fuck you, people! I got my Cardi money." Well, and I yeah. think that's the thing. You know, it's funny because sometimes, you know, I think we all sometimes, you know, think about like, "Oh, it's so unfair that so and so can be so, mm. you know, lost in their issues or whatever, and yet still have such success." But I, I do think it can really be a curse because, yeah, if you're reaping those rewards and those benefits, it can seriously undermine any incentive to do the deeper work of confronting you know what might be there for you to confront like why why would lisa Rinna? i mean look she's got the beautiful home she's got the husband she seems to love you know her daughters i mean god knows what they're dealing with on an internal level but on a certain level mm-hmm. they're doing well like she's got everything going so why would she rock the boat at this point you know Yeah. And I mean, discovering yourself, your true purpose or having your own internal reckoning is not fun. And it's a lot of fucking work. And there's a cost involved. The cost involved is like, uh, not like the time and effort, but the capacity to really um, discover oneself and hold and hold your even your own self accountable. Right. And like, say, I need to make changes. That's that could be viewed by people as a cost. And if she's thinking like there's no professional reason for me to do that or perform it, which I think is Lisa's frame a lot. I mean, she is that like go getter entrepreneur chasing the buck it's how she survived in Hollywood this long which she's had a long career and I think it's because she is doing that hustle it just doesn't necessarily engage her she's not interested in anything more than like maybe performing the curiosity of wanting to be seen as someone doing better or doing good well yeah and I take it a step further that I'm sure for her she thinks this is how she is successful Meaning like there's probably a fear in her, like, you know, if I give up these things, if I give up the hustle, you know, if I let these balls drop, I'm not going to be able to generate the same level of success, you know? And I, yeah, I think about that a lot too. Like with the Vanderpump Rules kids, you know, back in the day, it's like what they're doing in some way is working for them, you know? So why? It it literally is working for them. It is their job. You know, that's where it... That's where like the conflict and the drama of Housewives becomes so interesting because, you know, there's the idea on Beverly Hills of let's just be friends and whatever. And we'll have our like maybe passive aggressive conversation, whatever else. But there is also a camera crew following you. I mean, there is this thing um, that Brian Moylan talks about in his recaps for BH where he's talking about like he and, and I've heard this from other people where it's like he enjoys the show called Rich Women Doing Things where he doesn't necessarily 
thrive and experiencing the drama. He's looking at it for the escape and the glam. But the reality is a lot of people also like the drama in addition to the diamonds. And so you're carrying the weight of expectation associated with that. Like the idea of it's like the conflict of her true professional the professional standard of being a real housewife doesn't necessarily align a lot with a person's moral compass. It's oftentimes a very different direction. And the fact is, I mean, Lisa Rinna has actually, I mean, she's publicly admitted to this because I remember between, I think after season five, which was her first season, I remember she was doing some interview like in advance of season six coming out where she literally said, you know, Brandy's gone. And we were kind of looking around saying, where's the show? You know, mm-hmm. so she openly acknowledged that. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's interesting, right? I think in the Housewives universe, for a lot of us, I think there's kind of this sweet spot where mm-hmm. it's, I think we're all aware, the Housewives included, that, yeah, they do have to make a show. And so there's a certain kind of expectation or demand for a certain type of conflict. But I think there's kind of that difference between, it's almost like there's certain people, maybe kind of like, a, I would say like a candy, I want to say, where it's like, when the conflict comes, we're going to go with it because this is what we're here to do as Amen. opposed to like forcing it, fabricating it, kind of intentionally sort of throwing someone under the bus for the sake of it. There's this fine line, right, where we want it to be authentic, but we also want them to do their job at the same time. And there's something in there, too, about like, as you're saying, the different cast members sort of levels of humanity how far are they willing to go? What do we feel is kind of acceptable from a human standpoint, you know, when they've all signed up for this? It's an interesting line. And there is also this sense with Housewives where it's like there's the person who joins Housewives and then they are the performative Real Housewife. And I don't even mean that as a critique, but just like you are playing the part of Real Housewives. It is an elevated experience, an elevated environment. You're surely not getting glam every time you go to dinner with friends, you know, like depending on the franchise you're on where that feels like a part of your job scope. Um, There is that element of like the person becoming the performative. And then there's also the performative becoming the personal and I don't know how to communicate that even while I'm saying it out loud but it's like the idea of someone joining housewives and joining this escapist world and performing the housewife role and then as a result of that becoming more the real housewife than they are the original person it's the the idea that you are willingly losing yourself in the forest because there are so many bells and whistles attached and it's the fame and it's the celebrity and it's the money and everything else and what initially may have been a conscious choice no longer becomes one because you've been in the woods for so long like you haven't seen anything else but all these similar trees you know who i'm curious like who do you view that way oh my god you know it's terrible almost everybody Honestly, that um, let's think. Let's think a little. Um, uh, this is a terrible example, but uh, no, I can't even say it out loud. I'm not. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to say it out loud. I disagree with myself in my head. Um, let's look at Beverly Hills. I mean, I don't know where. I mean, Erica Jane to me seems like an obvious choice. Erica Jane, who was Erica Jane as a lark and more full time Erica Girardi. And then she morphed into 
the idea of the Erica Jane persona that she had created to do like dance music and then morphed into the full-time pussycat when she became a real housewife. I think that's an example. I think you could make the argument that there's some LVP mm-hmm. stuff oh. there too of a woman who was, I would say, almost rabid in her interest to becoming a part of housewives. And I mean that as the greatest compliment. I do not mean that in any way truly constructive or critical, but like a woman who knew that she was destined for this thing before this thing even existed and then became so mired in the maintenance of that, that we lost whatever little window and peak of humanity that we may have been able to see. And also just to counter my own self, she's a very difficult example because she is truly so closed off as her Mm -hmm. own form of, you know, self-defense. Well, actually, as you're speaking, the examples I would come up with uh, for you would actually be a lot of the New York women. That's how they really struck. Because at first I started Mm. thinking about Bethany, but then I was like, well, Luann, I mean, literally. I I literally was just thinking Luann. I was like, how could you not discuss Luann? Yeah, 100%. Keep going. Yeah, 100%. And even Ramona, I mean, to a certain Mm -hmm. extent, you know, I mean, I think the New York women really this is really interesting so i'm going to kind of bring in a few things and you can choose where you want to go but yeah the new york women really feel to me like women where the show really kind of took over their lives i always get the Mm -hmm. sense that you know certainly like mario and ramona's divorce probably the show Mm -hmm. kind of factored into that um and yeah like their their lives have truly become the show but what's so interesting as i'm saying that then i'm kind of thinking about orange county because I've been thinking about Tamara this whole time, ever since you talked about, you know, what kind of causes someone... Oh, my God. Such a good example. ...to, yeah, like, have a breakthrough or something. And, I mean, look, Tamara... <laughs> I, I do have a soft spot for Tamara, but, you know, I get that she's problematic in many ways. But she is someone who... And this is... Part of what I'm bringing in is Orange County versus New York, which is kind of an interesting comparison to me because the Orange County women, it seems like they are more the women where the show really does liberate something in them. Where mm-hmm. for Tamara Barney, who's kind of with this controlling guy, Simon, the show really does allow her the independence and the financial resources to divorce him. Then she finds this guy that she's really in love with. She becomes an entrepreneur. And I really feel like, even though, look, I'm not going to say that Tamara's you know, whatever, the most amazing person in the world, but I've seen her shift over the years. And I feel like there are ways that she's changed that are actually, uh, you know, I would call constructive, you know, and good. And so it's just, I don't know, that's just interesting to me. It's, I'm all over the map right now. It's interesting to me that it's almost like Orange County breeds more that the women start at that place of subservience. And then the show for a lot of them does become a vehicle, I think, for stepping into more of who may they actually might be in a more independent life. Whereas with the New York women who I think started at a different place where they were already in a certain echelon of society, they're the ones who almost end up getting consumed by it in a way that feels maybe more destructive. I don't know. It's a kind of a loose hypothesis. Um, I just truly knew, I mean, both of those, both the essentially majority of New York and Orange County, a hundred percent rescind everything I said prior when I forgot New York existed. I say this as a New York city <laughs> resident. Um, I a thousand percent agree. And I just think Lou is like truly example number one and Ramona is right there with her. And the interesting thing is that they've seemingly lost themselves 
because of their association with and time inside of the Real Housewives. And yet that may lead to both of their jobs, you know, coming up potentially next season because there's nothing else happening now except them existing inside of this space. And yet the idea of the space is to try not to talk about the space as much as one possibly can. And until you get those sweet little nuggets of breaking the fourth wall, like because they have been so successful, that may be part of both of their downfall, not only because it's okay to be disconnected from reality and problematic in some ways, but when all that you have, and I don't mean that related to what's going on this season. I just mean that related to their lives inside their little bubbles, even when it's the bubble of just being like the star of this TV show, when that takes over everything and is all of your full-time attention, yet this show is supposed to be about your real lives, which should involve things going on aside from waiting for the cameras to roll, you lose value. The value that they've accumulated as OGs may help lead to their downfall, i.e., no longer being on TV. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's two thoughts that come up. I mean, one, I just want to say this is actually why. I mean, I know recently it's been an, a state of emergency, but I'm always kind of championing championing Orange County because one of the things I like about or I've typically liked about Orange County is that I like that I, I feel like we are seeing their real lives. It, it's like there's a way in which their lives keep going. I just feel like for them... It's so much more this sense of like, we hit the lottery with this. We know it's not going to last forever. We're kind of, at some point, we're going to recede back into our Orange County lives. And mm-hmm. um, because of that, it does feel like we are sort of getting access to these real women in their real lives. Whereas for me, something more like New York, where they're in this sort of metropolitan area and they're in the center of the pop culture zeitgeist, it does feel like there's a way in which their lives just, like you're saying, it just becomes all about the show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the second thing I was going to say, too, it's it's an interesting question because, yeah, you look at someone like Luann, who in a lot of ways is becoming a parody of herself. And it's true. It's like if the show is taken from her, what does she have left? Right. So you look at it that way and it's like, oh, man, this kind of feels depressing. That said, I do also wonder, you know, had it not been for the show. Right. I mean, obviously, she wouldn't have had that like embarrassing spectacle with her arrest. And like now she's on this journey. I'm just thinking about the, you know, one of the few scenes that I enjoyed in last week's episode or at least found interesting where, you know, basically she was making an amends to Victoria. And it made me wonder, it's like, would this be happening had, you know, she never been on the Housewives? Would she be aware of her alcoholism or having a drinking problem? Would she be you know, in some sort of relationship with humility and taking stock of her actions. I mean, maybe, but maybe that's also a gift that the show has given her in some way. I don't know that she would have. And there were page six articles about her and her sort of um, behaving in a manner that was uh, a little out of sorts at Hamptons events and yada yada. And this was in the very, very early days of New York where it did seem like she was drinking to excess and um, uh, the count at some like wedding or something. She was 
behaving in a way where he had to try to like mediate or I just remember a very I've been reading page six articles I would wait until super late at night even in high school and wait in my staring at my computer in East Greenwich Rhode Island waiting for them to go live for the next day so that I could like get the hot gas and I'm like literally like 17 years old or whatever and you know that preceded housewives but um you know when it comes to the loo of it all I think that there was a window and whispers that even that some of the women have said of the fact that there have been issues that she has had struggles for a while that she no one ever really discussed or talked about and that's sort of during the height of call me countess you know even if you're like schlepping me somewhere or if I'm ordering a pizza what's my name uh Countess Luann you know like it's it has been a part of her um life and her story for a while and it is a question of who knows what would have happened had there not been the show I don't know that the show it it, it, I don't know that it helped her per se but I do think it sort of forced a little, if we're going to talk about reckoning, I think it sort of forced her to see the reality behind what was being shown on reality TV. Right. It's like the stakes become so high. Right. Yes. And so and, and in a weird way, it's like what we're talking about in a, in a way it, at times it does facilitate that kind of humbling fall someone has to have in order to be willing to kind of do some deeper work that maybe they wouldn't otherwise be willing to do. You know, so like anything, it's a double-edged sword. You know, I mean, I think I think probably the the optimal scenario, and maybe we're seeing this with someone like James Kennedy, is, you know, to be on this ride, mm. but while you're on this ride, yeah, not using it as a vehicle for escape, but to be doing your work on yourself as you're on the ride so you can kind of reap the rewards and benefits, but hopefully still be, you know, cultivating an inner life and cultivating, you know, inner consciousness and hopefully kind of marrying the two together. I think that's a great example. And I do think like, who knew that James Kennedy was going to be goddamn America's sweetheart. And yet he really has, because we've seen the work he's done and the growth he's done. And it's, uh, it used to be a little bit of a cringe where when he was on screen, I was like, Oh, this makes me feel uncomfortable because he does seem, he seemed to relish in, um, uh, pushing past other people's boundaries and, you know, trying to like attack whatever was most vulnerable or what he saw was most Mm -hmm. vulnerable, what would like hurt people the most. And now what we're seeing is someone who has really taken the time to understand that he himself brings a lot of value and he does not need to continue to self-destruct, you know, Mm -hmm. that he can make the decision to say that I'm actually worthy myself of, of taking responsibility and accountability and drastically changing my life. Yeah. Yeah, it it is. It's like, you know, it, it's inspiring because for whatever reason, I, I always did like him. He's actually the reason why I started watching Vanderpump Rule. I never watched really? it. Yeah. I, ref- I tried to watch the pilot like way back when, and I was just like, Lisa Vanderpump's too creepy. She's too involved in these people's <laughs> lives. I, I couldn't do it. I was like, this is gross. Mm. And then I'm going to be honest with you. Literally, it was seeing that gif of him exclaiming Pumptini and like pumping his arms like Pumptini when he was like kind of taunting (laughs) Jax. And I was just like, I don't know like who this guy is, but he just looks so dynamic and mischievous and fun. 
And I was like, I'm going to start watching this show for James Kennedy. But, you know, I will say, like, I always felt his heart underneath, you know, even with all the cruelty and the drama. So, and but I feel a lot of their hearts. And to actually see a cast member step into <laughs> that heart, it just, it's, it's touching and it's rewarding. And, um, you know, I hope that it, I hope that it's real and I hope that it continues and I hope that it deepens because, uh, and I love, you know, it's such a great thing too, because, you know, he, he started the show when he was so young. And mm-hmm. so, you know, to see someone, I mean, I do think it's easier in a lot of ways to do this work when you're younger, both just because you're less defended just over time, you know, our defenses deepen. Um, but also because you have less to grieve in a way because, you know, you haven't quote unquote lost as much of your life to your destructive behavior. So to just, yeah, to see this kid who came on when he was like 23 years old and now he really is using it as a vehicle for sort of growth and change. It, it is kind of like the best example, I think, of what can happen in this kind of situation. I totally agree. And I'm also like his like love story with Raquel I'm just so happy for I actually feel really happy for them because I think that she has been such a great supporter of his, even when he didn't necessarily deserve her based on his behavior. And sometimes people, you know, see the light even when your partner is showing you a ton of darkness. And I think that she I it's obvious that she is good for him. And my hope is that he is in turn good two and for her you know yeah i mean do you want me to say my one concern for them please i mean and this is said i mean i actually really like them both as a couple and i hope it works out and congratulations for the engagement um (laughs) but um no you know when i've kind of dropped in a little with those Mm -hmm. two you know my sense of raquel and it's interesting because you're actually seeing you saw some of this last season actually but my sense of her from the beginning has been oh no this is actually a strong woman who's got a lot of powerful fiery energy in her that feels much deeper and stronger than kind of like what she presents on the surface and when I kind of dropped into her around James it was almost like I just felt something around it's easier for me to kind of let you it's almost like he in the waking dream of her life he kind of externalizes the strong powerful explosive energy that she disowns in herself and i could feel this place where it's almost easier for her to let him kind of embody that light and so you know i don't know i just hope for her that she can step more and more fully into her own powerful energy but i also wonder if she were to do that would that kind of rock the boat of their relationship and would that challenge James in certain ways? I get the vibe that they're both very comfortable with him more or less being the star in the relationship. And I think it serves both of them. And the truth is they could stay that way. And I think they'll have a very successful and loving relationship, you know, for a while. But as the person who likes to support people's kind of truth and their essence, I'd love to see, you know, Raquel step more into kind of like the unapologetic strength. I mean, you see it, right, when she stands up for herself with Lala or even like the moment where I really saw it was when they went to that like axe throwing place and Raquel was the one who kept like she threw the axes and she kept hitting bullseye. I was like, there it is. Like, that's it. That's what I sense in her. So I'd love to see more of that for her. 
I mean, you'll have to come back when VPR is back. We'll see what she's. I would love to see some little, you know, the renaissance of Raquel. Who are we kidding? <laughs> would love to see it. Let's see. Let's see how that plays out and also how that potentially changes the dynamic in in their relation. I think that could be an interesting journey to go on. I'm a little concerned because did you see um, yesterday? I think it was like uh, Tom Sandoval's and James Kennedy's Instagram posts where I feel like they're kind of not so subtly hinting at drama to come. Oh, I didn't. I don't follow a lot of Bravo Labs oh, okay. just because I I probably should, but I'm like, I need a little bit of bunnies and guinea pigs. Uh, I, I mean, I will say I'm very I selective, but Sandoval and Kennedy make the cut for me. I love them both. <laughs> so those mm-hmm. for me are two no-brainers in terms of who I follow. But, um, you know, t- I don't know. Tom posted this picture of him with Shayna's boyfriend kind of intimating like, my new number one guy like good friends don't leave you hanging and then james kennedy posted a post of him and schwartz being like bffs forever and i was just like is this some sort of calculated because everyone's talking about vanderpump rules is over the season's gonna suck is this some sort of contrived calculated you know whatever scheme to like you know preview and pimp the drama to come i'm just like if this is if that is what this is i'm I'm worried about where this is all going i mean without having seen it my answer is yes (sighs) (laughs) well we'll all suffer through it together we've gotten prepared for that with this season of new york so hopefully it won't be a total Waste, but I mean, I, who knows how it's going to go and how the casting changes will affect the group dynamic or groups dynamic or dynamic groups, whatever it is. I think it's definitely a little bit of a wait and see. I'm probably less curious about VPR's future than maybe almost any other show on Bravo aside from Dallas. So, um, I think I'm just kind of I'm a little tired of it, but uh, but I will totally watch it. Who are we kidding? I'm, I'm the I'm only Dallas. I'm like the only Dallas holdout. You are. You are. I, the only I thought last the season only. was really interesting. I found it really, really interesting. How so? In our closing moments, need to hear about this. Um. Well, first of all, I thought all the stuff that came up with. Um, Tiffany was really interesting you know I, mm-hmm. I it just an organic like in a way that now some of the New York stuff doesn't feel organic it just felt like I, I first, first of all felt like she was like a good fit for the cast because she's in mm-hmm. that world and I felt like the stuff that came up like this is the real stuff that would come up you know in this group and I feel like look we are at a certain point um in terms of a national conversation that we're having. Yes, this is ugly, but this is what's out there. So for me, I feel like a lot of people were like, I don't want to see this on my TV screen. And I was kind of mm-hmm. like, no, let's show this on our TV screens. Like, I mean, I felt bad for Tiffany, but like, let's see this. This is the conversation we're having right now. And I just thought it was such a true example of all these notions and concepts, you know, that we're talking about at this point. Um, and I think beyond that, I just, I don't know. I thought I like... You know, that one episode where they threw, was it Tiffany's birthday party? And it was like mm-hmm. the 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 episode where the conflict around the, the hairdresser turned shaman kind of came to a head between Deandra and Brandy, who was touting the Bible. And then Deandra was losing it on Mama D over the surname. I was just like, this is, I it was laugh out loud funny. 
I thought it was like, there's so much going on. I'm into the like religious drama. I just, I thought it was a really engaging season. Don't get me wrong. I didn't like half the cast and I'm totally yeah. for shake up. And I've been anti-Brandy since like day one. I, I didn't watch season one. So day one, season two, uh, when she ghosted her best friend of several years rather than that just having a, a mature conversation with her. So I'm ready for them to shake up the cast. But I thought last season was an engaging, interesting season that it held my interest. Well, I mean, I can't say I totally agree. I do remember really enjoying that episode. And I think my way of describing it on AG was like a broken clock is right twice a day. So <laughs> that's kind of how I process that episode. But, uh, well, I think it's right for a reboot. I think that it's they're going to do I think they are going to do a big cast reshuffle. And yeah. I think that, you know, I think that they'll make good decisions. I think that they made really strong ones with Orange County. And I think that they're going through a different kind of period now of like awkward growth where it's okay we need to keep this moving but we can't do it in the way that we just did because it won't go anywhere so um I'm hopeful I'm cautiously optimistic look at me looking at the bright side and the at the end of this combo I think you converted me a little bit which I am <laughs> uh very into can you tell the folks a little bit more about your pod how to follow you online the kind of conversations that you're having on deep dive yeah, for sure. So the podcast name is Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. I just launched it at the beginning of April. And it's basically just, I mean, right now it's almost exclusively Housewives and Bravo related content. Mm. But yeah, it's its deep dive conversations where I definitely drop in and kind of channel, uh, you know, so I just did an episode that was a deep diving Portia Williams. I, you know, deep dive like what's going on underneath the Monique Candace fight. I did a whole episode about exploring Jen Shah's criminal mind. It's just finding these little topics and Let's go in. Um, very, I would say I'm definitely a spiritual cousin of uh, Andy's girls. Uh, if you like Love that kind a of spiritual depth. cousin, look at our little family reunion today. <laughs> I'm into that. Um, yeah, so go check that out. And then, yeah, follow me on Instagram, Jamie Stein, J A M I E S T E I N. I have tons of Bravo related content. Um, depending on like the season, sometimes I'll answer quick hit questions on my stories. So, you know, there's all sorts of great stuff there. And then, you know, for anyone who's listening to this who, you know, kind of resonates with whatever I'm saying and you're interested in the work I do, just head over to my website, www.hollywoodreadings.com and send me an email. And yeah, that's it. That's a great name. That's a great name for a website too, Hollywood Readings. Yeah, I wanted like a... That's a good one. That's a good one. I wanted kind of like a um, kind of Santa Monica boulevard mm. uh like street side psychic kind of vibe oh my god i'm into that i love that energy that's cool but it ended up working I, out because you know i yeah. i didn't know at the time that i was gonna be talking about reality tv and pop culture so, so it p fits perfectly yeah and it's funny because i used to teach screenwriting and i was a script consultant so it kind of all i don't know it's all blending together in some sort of you know way that i don't understand I mean, life incorporated. That's kind of the dream at a certain point. When it all kind of comes together, I've, I'm into it. I think that's really cool. That's yeah. Really feel, I mean, I think it's still coming together, but it definitely, mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's something flowing. 
The ingredients are there. We're just doing, we're doing the prep right now, guys. We're doing the prep. Um, while you're online following Jamie, going to HollywoodReadings.com, uh, give me a little follow on Instagram, would you please? Instagram at DameGalley, Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Support the pod the number one best way by giving me your cash, and you get exclusive bonus episodes, info, and Zooms on special events. I haven't done a Zoom with you guys in a hot second, so I think a Zoom kiki may soon be upon us uh and that is exclusive to um andy's girls patreon supporters at the og of the ag and people's people's couch level and if you level up you can even record an andy's girls patreon with me yours truly sarah so uh (laughs) subscribe become a patreon supporter get those bonus episodes give me a couple of bucks a month and follow me on ig at dame galley jamie stein it was such a pleasure to have you on the people's people's couch oh thank you it was such a pleasure to be here Oh my God, you're welcome back anytime. This is a total delight. All right, good. And I'll have to have you on my pod. With love. With love. Uh, Guys, I hope you're staying safe, staying sane, getting vaccinated if you can. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.